Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Good morning, church. Hey, stay standing if you would for just a second. Anyone glad to be in the house of God this morning? At the 1115 service, you all are so well rested, right? Like, you all got a perfect night's sleep, caffeinated, all prayed up, fired up. We're going to have a great day in church. Amen? Um, how many of you love the Word of God? Are you, are you thankful for the Word? I don't know how it all works exactly, but what I know for a lifetime of being in church, growing up in church, is when we open up this book, things change. And when we open up this book and read from its pages, stories are rewritten. And people are set free in a moment what we can't do in a lifetime. And so this morning, we're going to open up the Word of God. And we're going to unpack its truth. I didn't come to impress you this morning. I came to help you. I came to offer you um, a thought today that has dramatically changed my life and the way I live my life. And I just wonder, you know, um, I think sometimes what happens in church on a Sunday morning, how many of you know the word is not faulty? The word always accomplishes what it is sent forth to do. The word isn't faulty, but sometimes the soil of our heart can be faulty. Sometimes our heart just isn't quite ready to receive what God would say to us. Sometimes it's, it's soil that has rocks or weeds or there's pests that would come to steal what I believe God wants to do. I don't know your name maybe. I don't know your story. I don't know your background or what brought you in here this morning. But I do believe that if you're here today, it's a setup from heaven. I believe that there's no accident that you're here today. That God has something he wants to do in your life, through your life. Certainly not about my words. It's certainly about his word. And so this morning, anyone that would join me, I just wonder if we could all take a minute and prepare our hearts to receive something from the word. Just really get in a posture of saying, God, I'm here. I'm open. I'm available. Speak to me. Talk to me. Mess with me. Anyone just want to join me in that this morning? If you would, lift up your hands to heaven all over this room. And Jesus, we love you today. God, we love your word. I thank you that your word is life. I thank you that your word is hope. I thank you that your word is wisdom and that it's freedom. It's truth. It's truth in a world of chaos. Father, it's truth in a world that desperately needs clarity. And so this morning we run into your word. We lean into your word. Jesus, you are the word. I thank you for the beautiful name of Jesus. I thank you for the powerful name of Jesus. We stand here this morning, but by the grace of God. Father, I can't even imagine where my life would be if it wasn't for you. I can't even imagine where my life would be if it wasn't for your house, if it wasn't for your people, if it wasn't for your life, Jesus. And so this morning, God, we stand here as grateful. God, remove the weeds, the rocks, the pests out of the soil of our heart. We're here this morning. We ask for you to talk to us, mess with us, rearrange us. We give you permission this morning, Father to come and have your way. I prayed this morning, God, I would get out of the way so that you can have your way. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. And Father, one more thing. 
I pray for anyone in this room right now that doesn't know you. Father, I pray for them this morning. Anyone here that hasn't crossed the line of faith, that isn't a Christ follower, that their eternity isn't secure today, Jesus, I pray that today would be the day they cross the line of their faith. For the person that crawled in here this morning spiritually on their last breath, I just pray today would be the day they move from death to life. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said a big amen. Amen. One more time. Let's give it up for Jesus because he deserves all the praise. Come on, anyone thankful for Jesus? Has he been good to you? Amen. You can take your seats. Man, so good to be at Freedom House Church this morning and all weekend. I love this house. Um, You don't maybe know me, um, but I've been coming around Freedom House for a long time. Uh, I have been here many, many a Tuesday with the staff. They're probably like, oh, shoot, Brandon's back again. Um, I have been, had the privilege and the honor of working with a lot of leaders in this house, a lot of staff. So while my investment is probably very unseen in a lot of ways, I want you to know that a piece of my heart is, is in this house. And so today I just want to ask you receive me as family this morning. We may not know each other, but that's the beautiful thing about the church, isn't it? I don't even have to know your name, but I would take a bullet for you because we are family. We are brothers and sisters. We have one blood running through our veins. And I just, I, I'm so thankful to be among family. So whether I'm the really cool um, older brother that comes around or the annoying cousin you wish would leave, you're stuck with me and we're going to be family either way this morning. And how many of you know that you are so blessed to have pastors Troy and Penny Maxwell as your pastors leading, leading this house. I think maybe one of the things I could say to honor them, because I could, I could take a while to honor them, but um, when my wife and I stepped out seven and a half years ago to um, minister, do what we're doing now, um, we had been on staff at our church for many years, but when we took a step of faith to travel and build churches and work with leaders and we basically live, live our lives on the road uh, anymore these days. Um, when we stepped out to do that, um, I called three people just to get wisdom, to get prayer, to get support. I don't even know how I picked the people I called. It was just kind of following my gut, following God. And your pastors were on a very short list of people that I called that I just said, I, I, I want you in our lives. I want, you know, I, I just give us your wisdom, give us support. And I feel like over the course of years, I've just gained a, another kind of a mom and a dad in them. And I love their family. I love it being a part of a church with vision. Right now, we're meeting in, you know, three locations. We have online joining us today. You just ought to thank God you have leaders with a big vision who want to see this city different by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, anyone thankful for, you, for your church, for your pastors, for the house that God has planted you in this morning? And uh, my wife is here with me today. Lindsay, give the pastor's wife wave. This is her favorite part of the service, by the way. This is my wife of almost 15 years, Lindsay. And we have one daughter. Her name is Zane. I think we're going to put a picture up somewhere. This is Zane's favorite moment of the service right here. And she is not here today because if she is here, she would want to preach. And so we left her home. There's only room for one preacher on the trip today. Um, As you can tell, our life is boring she has no personality whatsoever. And um, anyways, we, um, as I mentioned, I've, I've grown up in the same church my whole life. And a few years ago, my pastor sent us out to help build churches and build leaders. And so 
my little family, that unit, we are just all in for this thing called the church. I believe the local church is the greatest thing happening on planet Earth today. I believe that the church is plan A and there is no plan B. I believe that when you choose to be a part of the church and make an investment into the church and belong to the church, that you're partnering yourself with the very mission and plan and purpose of God. I don't care what they say about the church. Yes, the church might be imperfect. Yes, the ch- I mean, by the way, the church is imperfect because you and I showed up today. Let's just remember, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care what they say about the church. Jesus hung on a cross and gave his life for the church. He is building his church. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So I think what we're doing here today is good ground. Amen? And so just receive me today as a local church junkie. I drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago about the church, and I'm all in for this thing in Jesus' name. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to where are we going? Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We've been in this series called Tame the Tongue. How many of you know our words matter? Our words are framing our lives. Our decisions matter. Our What we say about ourselves matters. There are people in this room this morning that walked in today bound because of things you are speaking over yourself even. Or things others have said over you. Words are powerful. Today I want to take a bit of a different angle as a part of this series just because I felt so convicted and so excited about what I wanted to share with you today. I want to take a bit of a different angle, and I want to kind of go under the surface of our words for a few minutes today. I want to talk about where they're coming from. I want to talk about kind of the heart issues that, that lay underneath our words, our decisions. I want to ask you a question today. And I'm going to ask you this question many times during this message. This is a question that I feel like I have been wrestling with all over again in my life, I guess the past couple of years, in this season of my life. I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask it to you over and over again. And I actually pray that as you leave today, I pray this question will bother you. (laughs) I pray that it will infect you like it infected me. I pray that you'll leave here today with a decision to get this question right in your life and for your family. And that question is simply this, what matters most? What matters most? The words you speak and the way that you answer this question will dramatically alter your future. What matters most? In Luke chapter 18 and verse 18, I want to read for just a minute from the story of a spiritual giant who never was. It's a, Bible, it's a uh, man the Bible refers to as the rich young ruler. Let's read about it in Luke 18, verse 18. It says this, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. 
You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Someone turn to your neighbor and say one thing. And turn to your second choice neighbor and say well, one thing. And apologize to them, by the way. <laughs> what if one thing in your life today was separating you from the life that God had for you? You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. There's those words that all the disciples heard. Follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And so he left. Verse 28, let's skip down there. This is now a second man enters the conversation, and it is the disciple named Peter. Verse 28, Peter said to him, we left everything we have to follow you. I love that. Like, I did what that guy just didn't do. And truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So this story I've just read you is the story of two men. The first man we encounter is a man the Bible refers to as the rich young ruler. He was rich. He was young. And he was powerful. Three things our culture puts a premium on today. And he approaches Jesus and I guess you could say he's asking Jesus the right question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I'm ready to take a next step. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to step into all that you have for me. And I hope today and every weekend we gather at church, I hope you arrive into the house with a bit of an expectation in your heart saying, Jesus, I'm here today. I'm ready to take a next step. How many of you know we all have a next step we can take in our lives? Every single one of us, we're, we're, we're at a place today where you could take a next step where Jesus wants to call you further into what he has for you. And so I, I think this man is asking the right questions and Jesus looks at him and he says, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor and come follow me. I think for too long in the church, we have misused this verse. We have weaponized this verse to make this verse about Jesus being anti-money. Jesus on the surface being anti-stuff. And I think we, it's time as the church we put a period at the end of the sentence and kind of move past that argument. This is not proof of Jesus being anti-money. This is not proof of Jesus being anti-this man having money. This is simply Jesus being anti-money having him. Think about it. We don't even know his name. In history, he goes down as the rich young ruler. His, you could hypothesize that his entire identity is wrapped up in his belongings, in his power, in his youth. And I think the reason we know that is because when presented with this question, what matters most to you? 
You want to make your life count for eternity? You want to make your life count for me? Leave all that stuff and come follow me. But the way that he answered that question, what matters most, determined so much about his life. Think about it. He could have been the 13th disciple. This was the invitation to be on Jesus' team. Like, I know we're all on Jesus' team, but this is Jesus' actual team. Like, these are the people that actually got to live in the miracle of of being with Jesus. Imagine the miracles that went undone by this man. Imagine the churches that went unbuilt. Imagine the stories that went untold. All because of the way he answered this question. What matters most? A second person we see in this story is a man named Peter. And of course we would see Peter show up. Peter always had a way of showing up in these moments, didn't he? Peter was always the open mouth, insert foot, you know, disciple of the group. And so Peter shows up and I just love like the, the, the sheer, I don't want to, you know, project too much onto the scripture here, but just the sheer boldness. I was going to say cockiness. Let's just say boldness of Peter here to say, hey, we did that. You know, I don't know what his problem is. You know, we did this. We left everything to follow you. I just think it's funny find humor in the Bible. I'm actually going to give Peter this one, though. I'm going to give Peter this one. P- Peter did leave everything to follow Jesus. Peter arrived at a very different answer to that question, what matters most? Think about it. On, D- on Peter's day of calling, Peter himself was a rich young ruler. On Peter's day of calling, when he met Jesus, Peter had just had a miraculous catch of fish. He was a fisherman. This was a business opportunity staring him down. Think about it. If none of your competitors are catching fish and you just had a catch that sinks your boat practically, you now have a leg up on all of your competitors. This was a significant business opportunity, and yet he was willing to leave it because he perceived there's something about this man named Jesus that matters more to me. The way he answered that question, what matters most, one man walks away from Jesus sad to keep his earthly wealth. I wonder how that's working out for him now. The second man was willing to leave it to follow Jesus and years later would stand up, give birth to the church, 3,000 people saved, the church of which we're still a part of today, all because of how they answered the question, what matters most? So I ask you that question today, what matters most in your life? Like really, let's get past the surface answers. Let's get past the churchy, in the hallway answers. Like, let's get down to it. What matters most in your life? Because how you answer that question will determine how you spend your time. It will determine how you spend your money. It will determine what words come out of your mouth. It will determine the decisions of your life. It will determine your friends. It will determine how you are as a parent. It will determine your church habits. It will determine everything about your life. What matters most? What matters most? I guess I started wrestling with this question all over again. I'm not new to church. I've grown up in the same church my whole life. Been at church since I was one. 37 of my 38 years on planet Earth. I know I don't look nearly 38. 
Um, thank you for that, by the way. I'm a good, like 28, right? Anyways, um, that's a joke. You can laugh. I know, I know. 37 of my 38 years on planet Earth, one church, one pastor, one vision, been in ministry over 17 years, and yet I found myself again kind of back at this point. Am I living for what matters most? Is my ministry about what matters most? Is my, my parenting, my marriage, are we truly living for what matters most? So I arrived at an answer. My answer to this question, what matters most? And I'm going to offer you my answer this morning. This may not be the answer you're expecting. It may not even be the answer you want to hear. I didn't come this morning, by the way, to impress you. I think sometimes in church, the message is like steak. You know, it's like really good, really filling. I think sometimes in church, the message is like dessert. Like it tastes really good. A little bit of a sugar high, exciting this morning, I came with vegetables, by the way. I, I came to help you. I came to like, help you grow, help you move into something that God has for you. So I'm going to offer you my answer today. I will warn you, it's an unpopular answer. Um, it's, it's a dangerous answer. But it's an answer, I believe, will place you right at the center of God's plan and God's purpose for your life. It's an answer that'll change everything about your life. Can I offer you my answer this morning? What matters most, the only answer I could come to was one word, this word, eternity. Think about it. A life not lived for the here and now. A life lived for Jesus and for his church. So I think if we're honest as believers in this room, I think today, if we were honest, we would all say we want to make our life count for God. I think if, if you're here this morning and Jesus has changed your life, I think it's the natural response of a believer to want to be used of God, to want to make a difference, to want to help somebody else know the same grace and hope and love of Jesus that I know for myself. But I still feel like in the body of Christ, too many believers are believing for God to use them, but then failing to answer this question well and failing to put themselves in any context where God can actually take their lives and use them for his glory. It's like we're here on a Sunday and we say, I, I, I want to be used of God. I want to live my life on purpose. But I just wonder, are the decisions we're making, the words we're speaking, the way that we're living our lives, are they matching up with that desire to want to live for what matters most? Or are we living lives like the rich young ruler who when confronted with the moment to make our lives count for eternity, walk away sad because we'd rather keep something for ourselves? Eternity. What else could matter more than eternity? Loving Jesus, building his church, and making sure we take as many people with us as possible on our way to heaven. That day of security that we have our eternity being secure. In Jesus, what else could matter more? What matters most? I believe this morning that I'm here at a house that would want to answer that question well. I believe Freedom House. I believe that today we're a part of a church that's on mission. I believe we're part of a church that wants to live on purpose. 
I believe if you're here today, you'd say, I want to make my life count for Jesus. Jesus has so changed my life. I want to do everything possible to see that other people know the same love and grace and hope that I know of Jesus in my life. If that's you today, if you want to make your life count for eternity, you want to answer this question well, I guess I just have a couple thoughts for you today, even just out of our own lives, out of our own journey on what it's looked like, I guess, to live lives with eternity in mind what it's looked like to live lives just trying to make it count for Jesus while we've got a shot to do that. So I want to offer you just out of our own family a couple wrestles I feel like we go through. Maybe you'll find yourself in these thoughts today. The first wrestle I know that my family definitely encounters is this one. If you're going to live your life for what matters most, you're going to have to exchange perfection for purpose. You're going to have to exchange perfection purpose. What does our culture tell us to do? Our culture tells us every morning to wake up and enter the rat race to perfect. To have the perfect life, the perfect spouse, the perfect kids, the perfect, you know, dog, the perfect van, minivan. We don't drive minivans anymore, I guess. You know, the, so it's now SUVs. The perfect SUV, you know, the perfect house, the perfect career, the perfect life. We, just, we end up in this rat race to perfect, I think so often, only to lay our heads down on the pillow at the end of the night feeling like that was far from perfect today. The pressure to measure up. The pressure to have what the Joneses have. The pressure to live up to other people's expectations who really are not impressed anyways. Perfect. It seems to me to be a very common language in our culture today. But I want to offer you a different thought. If you're going to make your life count for what matters most, we're going to have to ditch perfect and embrace purpose. You see, purpose-driven lives are very different than perfect lives. Purpose-driven lives are made up of imperfect people who are just simply fueled by the perfect purpose of Jesus. You see, purpose-driven lives are often inherently imperfect. When you choose to build your life around purpose, it's actually going to take you to a place of inconvenience. It's going to take you to a place that's not easy, but purpose is far more fulfilling than perfect. My wife and I, we made a decision as a family. We're going all in for the church. We're going all in for Jesus. We're going all in to serve leaders and serve pastors and do whatever we can do. And I'll never forget, a couple years into doing this, things were busy. We had a lot of opportunity. We also had a very young daughter. We were navigating those early parenting days with her. I'll never forget one day coming home from a trip and walking in. We were, my wife was potty training. You know that potty training boot camp that really doesn't work very well? You know that like three-day thing? And it didn't work for us anyways. And I walked in one day after a trip. was feeling great. Ministry was great. You know, church was awesome. Life was good. I walk into all manner of chaos had ensued at home. You know, pee everywhere. It felt like, you know, a wife saying, here's your daughter, you know, kind of, you know, one of those moments, right? We potty, we, we decided to take our daughter on the road with us. We potty trained her on airplanes. We have peed on so many airplane seats. She, by the way, not me. I, I did not, I did not participate in that. 
It just felt imperfect. Dragging my family around the country. We were, we were just talking about it this morning. We would take trips that were four and six weeks long. Like travel quickly loses its glamour at that point. But I'll never forget a couple years ago. We were at a church. I, I had taken just my daughter with me for a weekend. Um, I was at a church. And, and on the way there, she said, Dad, can I preach this weekend? I kind of thought, back off, babe. There's no room for one of us in this family. We actually let her get up on stage that weekend, and she did some little, some little thought or whatever it was. But when she looked up at me and she said that, I actually thought, man, maybe she's getting this. Maybe through all the imperfections, the late nights, the, the weekends away, the potty training on airplanes, maybe through all that, maybe, maybe she's catching purpose in her heart. Maybe, maybe something about her is starting to break for the church the same way that it broke for her mom and I years ago. In other words, purpose may feel imperfect. But if we're going to answer this question well, what matters most, I think we're going to have to ditch perfect and embrace purpose. If you think about it, that'll mess with you. That single thought will mess with you. You'll have to make decisions that are unpopular to your neighbors, unpopular to your family. I'll never forget, I was a senior in high school. I had, I had good grades in high school, which also meant I had no life in high school. Amazing how those things go together. And I had good grades. I had a good scholarship opportunity to uh, university, a college of my choice. But purpose started getting in my heart. I had made this decision. Here's just a little side note for any, any students in the room or I guess parents with students in the room. One of the best filters I ever put on my life was the filter of what matters most when it came to my college decision. I made the decision that no matter what the offer, no matter what the opportunity, I would not go to a college where there wasn't a strong life-giving church nearby that I could easily be a part of with my mode of transportation. In other words, no scholarship opportunity was worth taking me out of the house of God. The house of God was going to be first, and I was going to trust God for the scholarship. Well, what that led, what that led me to was that actually led me to leaving on the table a near full-ride scholarship to a university of my choice that I had worked my tail off for to stay home and attend our one-year-old no-name Bible school at my church that had zero graduates because it was a two-year program. I mean, my parents loved Jesus, and they weren't excited about this decision. It was unpopular. It wasn't easy. But I look back at that and how it positioned my life around my pastor and around, my, around our leaders, and it infected me with a call that wasn't about me. It was about others. And that unpopular decision has had more fruit in my life all because of a filter. What matters most? If you think about it, it'll mess with you. You're going to have to ditch perfect and embrace purpose. I hope this is helping you today. I hope someone's getting this down in your heart. All right, we'll get there. Our second wrestle this morning. <laughs> I have one more thought for you. And then your torture's done, I promise. I'll, I'll leave, I'll stop meddling with your life. And, but I got one more thought for you. If we're going to live lives for what matters most, I believe you're going to have to exchange feelings for faithfulness. Hmm. You're going to have to exchange feelings for faithfulness. Being faithful 
is not always going to feel easy. You're never going to always feel like doing the right thing. Your growth and your comfort will never coexist in your life. You want to grow? You want to step into what God has for you? Sometimes you're going to have to do it when you don't feel like doing it. Sometimes being faithful means you're going to be, have to be faithful past your feelings. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I think that's what I'm trying to say is we've been entrusted with something here. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. I can't think of a greater goal or greater prayer to pray than God, let me be found faithful. Like, let me do everything you've called me to do. Let me cross the line in eternity, found faithful with the opportunities that you entrusted me with. I'll never forget a couple years ago, I woke up on a Monday morning in Boise, Idaho. I had been at a church over the weekend, great ministry over the weekend. But on this particular day, it was a Monday morning, I had to get from Boise, Idaho to Memphis, Tennessee, a very normally uneventful trip. But I had to get there by a certain time that day because I had an engagement with my pastor later that evening. And so because of that, I had to take a very specific route to get there at a specific time, which then I meant I had to take an airline I don't normally take. And I think I even had a couple stops along the way. It was just going to be kind of an inconvenient day. You know, one of those flights that takes off like at five something, like before Jesus is awake, you know, kind of one of those kind of flights in the morning. This is what kind of day it was. Well, who knew that at like 4.30 in the morning on a Monday morning in Boise, who knew the entire city would be at the airport? Who knew the lines would be out the door? You know, and I'm waiting in line to check bags and fighting to get through the one line of, you know, security that, you know, TSA that's open, you know, at like 4.45 in the morning and, and uh, fighting my way through the crowds. I mean, I mean, the line that wrapped around the thing. And once I finally got through, then I board the plane. You know, when you fly an airline a lot, they kind of treat you a little nicer, right? Like sometimes you get to sit up you know, closer. Sometimes you have a little more leg room. Any frequent flyers in the house know what I'm talking about. Like, that. Like it's, it, it's nice. It's, it's helpful. On this day, though, I was not on the airline I normally fly. On this day, I was on um, a different airline. It doesn't matter what airline it was. It might be the airline that drags people out down the center aisle, but it doesn't matter what airline <laughs> it was. But um, <laughs> on this day, I'm, I'm on that airline, and I'm, I get to my seat and discover that my seat is in the middle row, uh, middle row, back row, back by the bathroom. Like, forget my first class seat. Like, I'm on the last row by the bathroom, middle seat. And isn't it true, guys, whenever you have a middle seat, there are two even bigger guys than you on either side of you? Any guys know what I'm talking about? Like, that, that is the, yeah, see, I just got several amens right there. Like, I don't know how that works. The devil is in the seating assignments on airlines is what that means. And I'm sitting in the back row, middle seat, like be up before Jesus. Let's just say I was in, I was a real peach that morning, right? Like I was, I was, I was real, a real pleasant person to be around, kind of grumbling, complaining, you know, 
griping about TSA and all the, you know, they searched my bag and, you know, all this stuff. As I'm sitting right back there in that middle row, back by the bathroom, it hits me. That there was a day not long ago where I would have given my right arm to be on that plane if it meant I was getting to go do something for ministry. Like there had been a day where my wife and I fasted for the opportunities we had, where we prayed for the opportunities we had, where we believed God, where God, I said, send me, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If it, if it, if, if it means someone coming to know you, Jesus, sign me up. I, there had been a day where I prayed that. And as I sat back in that middle seat and complained to myself, it actually hit me. And I just thought to myself, where did that person go? Where did that person go that would have given their right arm? And today I'm tired and complaining. And honest, honest to God, I sat in that middle seat and I repented before the Lord. I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me if this has become about me. Forgive me if this has become about my comfort. Forgive me if this, if, if here I am, send me, turned into here I am, send me as long as it's in first class and I feel really good. Like, honestly. And I sat in that middle seat and I said, God, I, I renew, I guess, my commitments to you all over again. That wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, I'm in. Because I didn't sign up for this thing to feel good. I signed up for this thing to make a difference. I signed up for this thing to evict people from hell and populate heaven. Like I, I signed up for this thing for an eternal purpose. And you know, there's a lot of blessing in serving God. And you can trust that when you seek first the kingdom of God, he will bless your life. Like you, but I'm just telling you, there are going to be those moments where you're going to have to dig down deep and it's not going to be easy. You're not going to feel like doing it. Like, you know, when you, when you know you should walk across the room and forgive someone that you've been holding the grudge to, you're not going to feel like doing that. When you, when you want to step out and you know that joining a team at church is you're signing up just to be busier when an already busy schedule, you're not always going to feel like doing it, but sometimes purpose just has to take over. You know, raising your kids in church, being faithful to the house of God, you're, you're not always going to feel like showing up on a Sunday morning. You're not always going to feel like doing the right thing. Tithing, you're not always going to feel like tithing. When the numbers don't add it up in a month, you're not going to have the feels when giving time comes around. But that's when you just got to do it past your feelings. You know what I'm thankful for this morning? I'm thankful that our Savior didn't back out when he started feeling <laughs> too much pressure. Come on, is anyone thankful for Jesus this morning? Just think of that moment in the cross, that moment in the garden. Jesus was sweating blood, the weight of our sin on his shoulders. He was starting to carry it. Every sin, every, everything you've ever done was on his shoulders at that moment. Chances are he didn't feel like going through with the cross. Chances are he didn't feel like forgiving us. Chances are he didn't feel like getting whipped on his back, surrendering his life. But then he said those beautiful, 
words. You want to talk about words that change your life. He said those beautiful words, not my will, but your will be done. I believe what he was saying there is I'm going to be faithful past my feelings right now because I've got an assignment. I'm on a mission. I'm going to live for what matters most. If you'll live your life for what matters most, for eternity, it will infect you. It will change you. When eternity gets in your heart, it will change everything about how you live. All of a sudden, showing up at small group isn't just showing up to get something. Now it's showing up to give something because you got eternity in your heart. When you get eternity in your heart showing up at church on a Sunday morning, I'm not just here to get a message and go out and get something for my life. No, I'm here to set the table that someone else can know Jesus the same way that I know Jesus because I'm infected with eternity. When eternity's in my heart, I want to parent differently. I want to be a different husband. I want to be a different dad. I want to be a different leader because I got eternity in my heart. I'm not, I'm not after an earthly assignment right now. When you get eternity in your heart, it changes how you build your business. All of a sudden, building your business isn't about you anymore. Building your business isn't about just padding a, bro- a bottom line or a profit margin. Now, all of a sudden, building a business is about mobilizing money and finance for his kingdom to see you know, more campuses built, more buildings built, more people reach for Jesus. When you get infected with eternity, it changes everything. So I guess I end where I began today. I ask you this question. What matters most to you? What, what's your answer? And, and before you get to a quick answer, I guess here's my follow-up. Are you willing to go out of here today and wrestle with that? Are you willing to go out of here today looking at your life? Maybe talk to your spouse. Say, are we living for what matters most? I pray that as you wrestle through this like I did, and as I continue to wrestle through this, I pray that you'll arrive at the same answer I did. Eternity. A life lived for Jesus and a life lived for his church. Amen. Did you receive something from the word today? Amen, amen, amen. In fact, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? All over the room with no one leaving, if you would. I want to hold us just for a minute. I'm going to ask Leslie to sing this song. What a beautiful name it is. Would you just remain with us today? And anyone that would, would you close your eyes? Would you even extend your hands to heaven right now? Can we worship Jesus for a minute? Like, can we just have a moment where we receive something from the Lord? We'll receive the word into our heart today. Come on, why don't we sing together? Why don't we worship Jesus? The beautiful name of Jesus. The powerful name of Jesus. Come on, make this the song of your heart today. Jesus, you are beautiful. You are what matters most today, Jesus. You are what matters most today, Jesus. Nothing can stand against the name of Jesus. We worship you today, Jesus. We enthrone you today, Jesus. Be Lord of our lives today, Jesus. Be King of our lives today, Lord Jesus. Nothing can
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If this message has resonated with you at all this morning, maybe there's just an area of your life that is out of alignment. Maybe this message is just kind of pressed on something, spoken to something in your heart, in your life, in your parenting, in your finances, in your words, in your decisions, whatever it would be, with every head bowed, every eye closed, every person in prayer examining your own life, if this message is spoken to you, would you just lift up your hand around the room today? I want to pray for you. If you're just saying, I, I, there's a new decision I need to make. I want to recalibrate some, some words I'm speaking, decisions I'm making, the way I'm living my life. Just lift up your hand right now. Father, I thank you that you see every hand. And Jesus, we ask that you would come and be Lord of all. Father, I ask that we would answer this question well. What matters most? I pray, Jesus, you would infect us this morning. Infect us with eternity. Infect us with your heart. Your heart for people, a heart for your kingdom, a heart for your church. And Father, this morning, we just make commitments all over this room to bring into alignment, Father. Anything about our lives is out of alignment with you and your purpose. We make those decisions now, Father. I pray, Father, we would leave here today absolutely wrestling with this. And Father, as we do, I pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done. I thank you as we seek first the kingdom of God, we can trust that all these things will be added unto us as well. Father, I pray for every parent in the room right now. I pray that you would equip them, Father, to raise up children to know and honor the Lord, Father. Families built around the perfect purpose of Jesus. I come against the enemy right now in the name of Jesus who would come to steal and kill and destroy destroy any weapon formed against our children, any weapon formed against our families. I cancel your assignment against us in the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord of all. We seek first the kingdom of God. We trust in the provision and protection of God over our lives and over our families. Father, anywhere in our lives where purpose creates a gap, where we feel a little bit imperfect sometimes, Jesus, come and fill the gaps. Stand in our place fight our battles for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Father, for any person that's been faithful past their feelings, anyone in the room that's tired, anyone in the room that's weary, anyone in the room today, Jesus, that's been, been faithful but is... is it, Father, I pray today that your word would be true in their lives. I pray that as they wait on the Lord, they would mount up on wings like eagles. That they would run and not grow weary. They would walk and not grow faint. This morning, Jesus, for anyone that's, that's tired, that they, they want to be faithful, they want to serve you, Jesus, I pray you'd breathe fresh breath into them today. Fresh strength into them today in the name of Jesus. And we give you the praise and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.